How do you reclaim a symbol of patriarchal oppression for women's empowerment? In 2007, there was a horror movie, kind of silly, called Teeth, about a virgin girl who discovers that her snatch is a killer. It's literally lined with teeth and can be used as a weapon. It's a little campy in a fun way. It may not be the greatest work of art ever, okay. But it actually got surprisingly good reviews, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is way better than I would have expected for a movie like this to get. And perhaps the reason why is because it takes a patriarchal folktale motif, the vagina dentata, or toothed vulva, and it flips the script in an attempt to reclaim it as a symbol of female empowerment. The main character, Dawn, confronts the monster between her legs and learns to use it against those who sexually assault her. Now, in the current climate of hashtag MeToo, well, maybe there's something to that. So could Teeth, this campy horror flick, actually be a secret masterplay of female empowerment? Today we are going to take a brief look at some of the folktales behind this freaky muffin, and then we're going to talk about how this silly movie just might do the serious work of reclaiming a symbol of patriarchal oppression for women. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the History of Sex. <laughs> History of Sex is sponsored by Dr. Jillian Kenny, historian of women, sex, and magic in medieval Europe. I want to thank our Patreon patron, Luna Schaffer, for making this episode possible. Before we get started, I want to tell you about a great podcast called The Endless Knot. Hi, I'm Avon. And I'm Mark. And we're the co-hosts of The Endless Knot podcast, a show about language and history and connections. Our show covers a wide range of topics, but one recent episode, 79, should be of particular interest to listeners of the history of sex. We dove deep into the etymology and history of the words sex and gender themselves, and traced the vocabulary around the concepts from ancient Greece to Rome to medieval England to today. Join us to find out how surprisingly recent having sex is, and how very old but very grammatical gender is. You might also enjoy some of our older episodes, like our exploration of the word cuckold and the origins of Valentine's Day, episode 11, or a discussion of magic and the Greek and Roman love spells that cursed the would-be beloveds with torments if they didn't give in to love. Look for our show, The Endless Knot Podcast, on any podcast platform, or go to alliterative.net slash podcast to find out more. Thanks to B.T. Newberg for letting us tell you about our show and for the fascinating journeys through the history of one of our oldest but most complicated pastimes. All right, let's start the show. Time for today's Short Shorts. Short Shorts! Short, short. 
Okay, so heads up, spoiler alert, I will be talking about what happens in this movie, so be forewarned. Also, if you do decide to watch the movie, just know it's pretty graphic, so be careful who you watch it with, not exactly kid-friendly, but you probably guessed that already. Let's get to the good stuff. First off, is it really viable to try to reclaim a monstrous image of oppression against women and turn it into a feminist symbol of pride and power? And the answer to that question is, Yes. I mean, symbols of oppression do get flipped around and reclaimed all the time today. Think of the witch, for example. For centuries, a slanderous label for denouncing and burning women. But now, witches are glorified in movies like The Craft, and there's a whole variety of pagan religions focused around it, the main one being Wicca. And I know many female Wiccans personally, the image of the witch is powerful for them. Once a symbol of patriarchal oppression, it has been reclaimed for women. Symbols of oppression, when appropriated by their former victims, can become provocative and powerful. So could the same thing be done for the vagina dentata? Because it certainly is a powerful image. A vagina lined with fangs, like jaws, or like the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Vagina dentata. It's what's inside me. I mean, it's a mythic, dreamy, nightmarish kind of thing. But it has power. And it seems to call to peoples all over the globe and all throughout time. The idea of a woman packing teeth in her vajayjay is actually a motif that goes way back and can be found in folktales all across the world, from India to North America to New Zealand to Japan. In these myths, the story is always the same. The hero must do battle with the woman, the toothed creature, and break her power. So what are these folk tales? What's behind this? Let's take just a small sampling real quick in order to get an idea of their ridiculously worldwide distribution and also to see how they, in almost every instance, function to reinforce the patriarchal order. Okay, so we can start in India. In one myth, the god Shiva must face the demon Adi, who seeks revenge for the death of his father. So Adi assumes the form of Shiva's lover, Parvati, and attempts to seduce him, having secretly hidden teeth inside his feminine form's vagina. Shiva suspects, though, so he hides a thunderbolt in his penis, and when they embrace, he slays the demon. Now this is a relatively straightforward narrative of threat and conquest. The female form is made monstrous and the male hero must slay the monster. A similar motif appears halfway around the world among various Native American tribes. In a Ponca tale, for example, a sorceress invites the trickster Coyote to lie with her two daughters, which she has secretly given teeth in their vaginas. It's a rather convoluted ploy to be able to steal his possessions once he's dead. I'm not sure if it's really worth it. It seems a little Rube Goldberg for me. But what happens is one of the daughters actually warns Coyote. So when the other daughter attempts to seduce him, he's ready for it. And instead of his penis, he inserts a wooden stick, which is promptly chewed to pieces. 
After that, Coyote then slays the girl and the sorceress, sparing only the daughter who warned him, which he takes to wife. Now, she reminds him that she too has teeth down there, but he says, no, no, don't worry, I've got this, and he knocks out the teeth, leaving just one that is, quote, very thrilling when making love. Now, innumerable versions of this tale are told up and down North and South America, almost always with the hero either killing the tooth woman or defanging her in order to make her fit for marriage. Usually, the defanging is done by some kind of implement that dulls or breaks the teeth, and it's actually a rare tale where this is a consensual process, as with the one daughter in the version just told. More often than not, it's more of a covert ops maneuver where the girls are tricked, forcibly restrained, and then defanged. It's quite clearly a narrative of conquering and taming the woman to make her fit for marriage. Only in a very few instances is this patriarchal conquest theme absent. In fact, I could only find two that upset this pattern. First, among the Maori of the faraway island of New Zealand, there is a myth of the god Maui, who gets the idea that maybe he can attain immortality by reversing the birthing process. So he contrives to crawl inside the womb of the underworld goddess Hinenuitepo while she's sleeping and then exit out her mouth immortal. So he waits for her to fall asleep and then he crawls inside. So far, so good. But a nearby bird laughs at such an absurd sight. <laughs> which wakes the goddess and she kills Maui with her obsidian vaginal teeth. Now, I would think that somebody crawling into your snatch would be the thing that would wake you rather than a bird laughing, but again, be that as it may, that's how the story goes. Thus, this story upsets slightly the standard patriarchal narrative. Although the god is attempting to conquer death, which is represented by the feminine, this goddess, he fails. Instead, he is himself conquered by death, by the feminine, even though the feminine is still cast as the ultimate scary monster. The other example that defies the norm comes from the Ainu of northern Japan. There, a tale is told of a damsel whose vagina has unfortunately become the hiding place of a demon, and she accidentally castrates two grooms on their wedding nights, and then, at that point, well, she decides that she has had enough of this, so she gets the idea to contract a local smith to forge for her an iron phallus. And she takes this iron phallus and she inserts it into herself to break the demon's teeth. Here we do see the taming motif similar to previous versions, but in this case, it's of the girl's own volition. It's her idea, and it's at her own hand. So, a little bit different. In every case, though, the motif still presents a woman as a monster of some kind that must be conquered or tamed in some way. And it's not hard to see, in all of these stories, the patriarchal moral of the story, quote-unquote, that women must be subordinated to men, full stop. So that's how the vagina datata shows up in traditional tales. Okay, now, is it possible that this movie, Teeth, intended to reclaim this folktale motif, the vagina datata, as a symbol of power for women? Well, 
Yes, actually, director Mitchell Lichtenstein references other horror movies like Alien that have a female monster, and he notes, When you create a female monster, I think that comes from a male fear projected onto women. But if you go back to the original metaphor of a toothed vagina, well then you're automatically, I think, showing that it says only something about men and their attitude toward women. In other words, he's self-consciously trying to flip the patriarchal script. And it does seem to have that effect on some viewers. He goes on to say, Women are coming up and saying that they think it's a really empowering thing and great, because that was my intention. But as a man, I'm not in a position to say whether I succeeded at that. So at least some people are saying that. And by the way, yes, this director's a guy. Uh, yes, it might have been more effective if directed by a woman, sure. But as a guy myself doing gender stuff, I certainly don't think that it's disqualifying if it's done right. Personally, I am of the opinion that we all need to be working toward progress in this arena. But that's just me. In any case, this movie is in fact an intentional attempt to turn around the vagina dentata for women. And doing it as a horror flick is actually kind of clever because it turns the scary monster trope on its head as well. The so-called monster actually turns out to be the hero of the story, and the real monsters end up being the douchebag guys who try to abuse her. And along with that, the whole patriarchal folktale narrative of the conquering male hero is flipped around too. Rather than portray Dawn as conquered or tamed, whether by a male hero or by her own hand, instead, she learns to own the monster. After starting out as a bashful abstinence advocate, she comes to accept the power between her legs and uses it to castrate those who sexually abuse her. And in this way, she kind of becomes almost a sort of feminist vigilante avenger. She's almost a superhero. It's basically a superhero narrative. This is more than just can't be fun. This can be read as a metaphor for the climate of gender politics today, especially today after the explosion of the hashtag MeToo movement. I mean, Me Too was around when this movie was made in 2007, but it didn't really blow up until 10 years later in 2017. And now, thanks to this movement, it's more clear than ever the magnitude of the sexual assault epidemic being experienced in the West, and women are more and more feeling empowered to come forward to say, Me Too, this happened to Me Too. Dawn's confrontation and acceptance of the terrifying power between her legs is actually metaphorical of the experience of countless assaulted women confronting their traumatic experience in order to use it for good by coming forward to say, me too. And those who go further by actually bringing charges against their rapists? Well, those are the real world Avengers. In other words, the movie Teeth has taken a motif of traditional patriarchal oppression, the vagina dentata, and turned it into a symbol of female empowerment fit for the modern era. Teeth is, if not a great movie, well at least it's an interesting movie with a message that you can get behind. It takes a folkloric motif of patriarchal oppression, the vagina dentata or tooth vulva, traditionally a symbol of male conquest over and taming of women, 
and it turns it on its head. It makes it into a symbol of female empowerment fit for the era of hashtag MeToo, where sexual assault can no longer go unacknowledged in the shadows. A feminist avenger brings to life the loss of innocence, the trauma, and the justice of real-world women speaking out. Perhaps that's enough for one movie. Or you can just enjoy the movie for a straight-up revenge fantasy with plenty of gore and plenty of laughs. That is Teeth. Well, I hope you learned something today, folks. I certainly did. And I hope that you have a good Valentine's Day. I mean, I am a romantic at heart, after all. Even if I do enjoy flipping the script as well, you know, telling a hardly romantic story on a day like this, on Valentine's Day. Rachel and I are actually headed to an 80s prom tonight, and I hope that you all also have a great time tonight, whether with a significant other or without, or whether going out or maybe just staying home with a good movie. If you like what we're doing here on this show and you want to show your support, you can subscribe, rate, and review. And you can also pledge on Patreon, where $5 a month gets you a portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing. I will draw you as a righteous avenger, boldly wielding the monster within for justice. Or whatever you want. I'll make you look awesome, I promise. Just go to www.patreon.com slash btnewberg. That's patreon.com slash btnewberg. Next time, we're going to finish out this month's theme on the female body with something a little more upbeat. We've got a showcase episode, courtesy of the podcast The Exploress, who's going to tell us all about that great poet, Sappho, who sung so sweetly of the female form. From the ancient Greek isle of Lesbos, from which we get our word lesbian, Sappho was truly one of the greats of literature in history. And we're going to learn all about attitudes towards same-sex love in ancient Greece, which was quite different than today. We'll see you next time for that. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the history of sex. Podcast theme music mixed from tracks by Kevin McLeod. For additional credits, references, photos, and more, see our website at www.historyofsexpod.com.